High Noon with George Hook. News Talk 106 to 108. All right, time for numbers that talk with the senior statistician at the Central Statistics Office, Deirdre Collin. Deirdre, um, we're going to start comparing Ireland with other EU countries. Now, um, sometimes you talk to me and you say, is this interesting numbers? Well, these are, I would have thought, extremely interesting numbers, how we're doing vis-a-vis or competitors. Absolutely. So every year the CSO brings out a report called uh, Measuring Ireland's Progress and in it we compare Ireland to all our EU neighbours across a whole range of indicators be it population, fertility, life expectancy, GDP, unemployment etc. Well why don't we start at population because obviously we're one of the smallest ones in there at 5 million and then aren't the Germans the biggest country aren't they? Uh, 81 million people in Germany. These are 2000 uh, 14 figures. So the total population of the EU is uh, 500, was 507 million in 2014 and when we're sitting at 4.6 we're less than 1%. Um, so it kind of it puts things in context you know, vis-a-vis our, our influence or our size. the other big ones? The other big ones are France at 66, the UK at 64 and Italy at 61. So among them, those four countries have over half the population of Europe altogether. So it, the population is dominated by a small number of Well, of 27 countries. Seven countries, of which half the population is in four. Four, yeah. I mean, if yeah. you look at any set of figures and you come with that kind of divergence, you'd be looking at it a second time. Also, the interesting thing in terms of Brexit is that Britain is one of the four big countries, so it, it, you can see where its pullout will have an effect. And it's even more stark, George, when we look at a GDP. So if the, the total GDP of Europe in 2014 was 14 trillion which is 14,000 billion. Now, the GDP of Ireland is 190 billion. So straight away, we're a minnow in in a very big pond. But the GDP of Germany uh, was 2.9 trillion. The United Kingdom... 2.3 2.3 and France just over 2. So between them those three countries have over half the GDP of the entire EU. That's 7.5 trillion. Germany has 20% of the entire EU. So when we see Angela Merkel's status on the global stage and certainly on the European stage, it's all related to the size of their economy and the size of their population. Yeah, she's like Theodore Roosevelt once said, she's carrying a big stick, you know. I, I mean, and she's entitled to, I suppose, in terms of numbers. But the, the, one of the things um, I, I always think about, because unemployment has been part of Ireland since the, the state, since the foundation of the state, emigration has been part of us. Now, it, places like Spain with massive youth unemployment, the unemployment figures must must make, if you can use the word, interesting reading. <laughs> they they do indeed. So back in 2015, Ireland's unemployment was 9.4. Now that's already down to just over 7%. So it's fallen dramatically even within the past year. The EU 28, the employment was um, just under 10% at 9.8. And Germany, across, the, the, across the EU, because okay. in Greece and Spain, in Greece 25% and in Spain 22%. Now that's total unemployment. But to put that 22% for Spain, into context, over 5 million unemployed people in Spain in 2015. 5 million. Um, And in Greece, uh, over um, 
a million unemployed people. And we look at Germany, their unemployment was at 4.6%. So they're doing the best across the EU. And then, as you said, George, when we look at youth unemployment, so that's people aged 15 to 24, Greece and Spain are both on 50%, which means half of those age 15 to 24 are out of work in Greece but, and well, Spain. We can hardly, and Ireland was 20% okay. back in 2015. But we can hardly comprehend that. I mean, it's hard to comprehend. Like, it's obviously, in media, it's a very young people's industry. Um, it's hard to comprehend that like every second person in that working age group in a place like Spain is out of work. Yeah, it is hard to comprehend, isn't it? Uh, particularly in the context of it's eight years since the economic crash. And these figures are still, you know, they're still there. They're not going away. Yeah. Um, now, the trade thing, though, do you know the way the big deal is made for us uh, about a trade? And we're so small, right? Um, but, but what does happen, because Rory Hearn was in here earlier and he was talking about, like, if you're poor, you're likely to die earlier or you're likely to have worse health or everything. So therefore, if the Germans have all this trade, if they have uh, less unemployment, they must be healthier. So you must be, li- the Germans must be living longer. Oh, I do have life expectancy yeah. numbers here in front of me. So let's have a look at them. I was in here before talking about life expectancy. So a life expectancy for a baby boy in Ireland today is 79 years. Now that left you feeling... <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> depressed. Quite depressed by that. But that's at birth, George. So life expectancy at age 65, I think, is another 17.1 years. So you've a few years to go. You're, you're all right. A life expectancy for a baby girl in Ireland today is 83.1 years, which is the same as the EU. Whereas the baby boys in Ireland are doing better than the EU average. So 79 years, whereas the EU average is 77.4. The highest life expectancy in Europe is in Spain and Italy. So in Spain, for a baby girl born today, it's 86.1 years. And for a baby boy, is 80 And that's really interesting. Two countries who believe in going for a nap in the afternoon have the best life expectancy. They have the best life Maybe that's where we're missing out, the nap in the afternoon. Well, of course, there's huge studies done on this. You know, why Mediterranean countries have longer life expectancies generally and the whole thing around the Mediterranean diet and, you know... And they're Catholics. Don't rule that one out. Yeah. I've, the connection with the nap is a good one. I'm a great <laughs> believer in, in, in a siesta myself if I can ever squeeze it in. <laughs> All right. Now, you know one of the things that's going on at the moment, I was hearing this week um, about the Greeks are still in the manure because their growth is appalling, right? I also read that growth across the EU isn't all it's cracked up to be. So have you have you got growth figures like? Economic growth, Ireland's economic growth is at the top of the EU league at the moment. Now it is difficult to measure in an Irish context and there's kind of, kind of well acknowledged difficulties with measuring economic growth in Ireland. But 5.2% in 2014, that will be on a GDP measure. Um, whereas the EU 28 was 1.4% and Germany was 1.6%. So economic growth in Ireland is powering ahead at the moment. All right, but there's nothing about this. Like, where your figures are really interesting, I think. I love talking to you every week. And remember, my guest is senior statistician at the CSO, Deirdre Cullen, in Numbers That Talk, where we look at numbers. The, the things that 
they they show are extraordinary. Like I was, marriage is kind of going out now, isn't it? Nobody gets married anymore. Once upon a time, if somebody had a baby and they weren't married, we put them in a Magdalene laundry. Whereas now it's almost a badge of honour. Not to be married. <laughs> so let's have a look. What, so what, I, what's the score story on marriage? Well, we'll start with fertility, I think, maybe, and we'll okay. have a look at that. So across the EU, so replacement fertility is 2.1%. So that would be, it's called total period fertility. So 2.1 babies for the average woman over her lifetime. And in the that would be to replace the population. And in the EU, it's 1.55. Well, now, does that mean in 500 years from now, there'd be nobody left living in Europe? That's right, in the absence of migration or unless that turned around. And now it's already gone up since 2003 oh. when it was at 1.47. So these things do wax and wane. The highest fertility in Europe is in France at 1.99. And Not in- us. No, we were the highest for a long, long time. We're at 1.96 now, so we're just under replacement okay. rate. I would have thought we'd be top of the league. Yeah, no, we were. But obviously, I think they have very high incentives in France for having children and the fantastic maternity leave and fantastic um, grants and all that for having babies. Uh, Germany's fertility, 1.39. So the Germans definitely need migrants. That's need why Merkel said, come on in to everybody. You know, I'm sure there was an aspect of that, an aspect of, as she put it, a reflection on their past and reaching out and an aspect of kind of hard nosed economics, because, you know, at 1.39, they need labour. (laughs) Well, the problem is, of course, that as you, you then have less and less people working. So therefore, you have less and less tax to support the young and the old. Uh, who aren't working. That's right. So how that's measured, George, is in a thing called a dependency ratio. And the dependency ratio is the ratio of uh, young people and old people as a ratio of the people of working age, which is defined as those aged 15 to 64. So if we have a look at that for Ireland, the dependency ratio in 2014 was just under 53, uh, which means that for every 100 people working, there's 53 people who are either children or pensioners. For every 100? For every 100. Now, in the EU, very similar. It was 51.8. And in Germany, 51.8. No, but hold on. I can't let you get away with that because that's very worrying. In fact, are you not saying that there are only two people working? Am I reading you right? There are only two people working for every person who's not working. That's right. But But that's a very low number, Deirdre. It is, George. But we've got a very high young dependency ratio. So our young dependency ratio and that's because we've very we've had very high births over the last 10 yeah. years and I've talked to you about that before so that's not just because we've high fertility we've a lot of women of childbearing years so we've had 70 72 74000 babies born a year over the last 10 years whereas 20 years ago it was as low as 50000 so to get back to my point we've a high young dependency ratio that would be those aged 0 to 14 but i mean in another few years They'll all join that group of, of working age. To and keep that, me in the manner to, to which to, I'm exactly, accustomed. Okay, right. Exactly. We've got a year. low old dependency Given that ratio. I'm only going to live for three more years, according to you. <laughs> so our old dependency ratio is just under 20, whereas in the UK it's 27. So like across Europe, they do have older populations than us. Ireland still has a young population. All right. So okay. we're doing OK with regards to And if I pop ourselves. my clogs and a few of my pals, we all pop our clogs in three years' time, we'll be helping the economy. You'll be helping us. So would you ever hurry up there? Now, hold on a while. What about my belief that marriage is a busted docket? 
Well, I have uh, divorce statistics in front of me. So <laughs> right. when divorce was introduced in Ireland, of course, we were all we were all going nowhere in, in, in a handbasket. <laughs> it was going to be the end of us. Let's have a look. The divorce rate, so divorce is measured as divorces per 1,000 of the population. And across the EU um, in 2013, that was two. And in Ireland, it was 0.6. So by far the lowest divorce rate in Europe. Well, we've only brought it in. So naturally, it's low. 20 years now, is it? Yeah, but that's in, in statistical terms. That's just a dot. Um, yeah. Compared to eternity, dear John. Yeah, compared to... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, look, at the, there was a lot of predictions at the time. All right, but there? who's that's getting that, divorced the most? The Lithuanians and the Latvians have a very high divorce rate. Yeah, but turn if I was living up there where it's freezing cold all the time, I'd probably get divorced Nor- as well. Well, Norway, now, that's a cold country. I've been there. That, <laughs> believe me, that's cold in the winter. They've got a divorce rate of 2. The UK, 2.1. But that's fallen from 2.8 back in 2003. So divorce is the divorce rate in the UK is falling, which is kind of interesting. Is it the fact that people won't get married the second well, time sure, Of course or? it is. I mean, there's a direct correlation between divorce and getting married. If less people are getting married, which I'm, well, I don't know where they are or not, but anecdotally I would suggest less people are getting married. So therefore less people are getting divorced. Yes, yes, of course. You can only get divorced if you're married. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, 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 like, surely, going back to our Mediterranean thing, surely the Catholic countries have the lowest divorce rates. I don't have the, the, the Spanish and, and Greek figures in front of me, but they're yeah. on the CSO website, cso.ie. <laughs> um, what I have here, if we look at, uh, we're talking about fertility, uh, births outside marriage. This, yeah. is, this is an interesting one, as we say. <laughs> yeah. Over half of children are born outside marriage in a wide range of countries, such as France, Sweden. Over Denmark, half. Over 50%. In Ireland, it's 35% of children are born outside marriage. In France, it's 57% are born outside but marriage. But that means the French have packed up on marriage. It means the French have packed up on marriage. It, it, it is certainly a change. You wouldn't open a honeymoon hotel Europe. in France, obviously. Obviously not. In Greece, it's as low as 7% of babies are born outside. Babies born outside. I see it's back to religion. I told you. It's the Orthodox Church. Yeah, I mean, it's it's remarkable. It really stands out there when you, you run your, your your eye down the table of figures and Greece stands Seven out. Seven versus Ireland, 35 versus France, 56. Versus France, 56. So obviously marriage is still an important institution in Greece or, you know, you know having children outside marriage is... The Orthodox is, Church, I'm telling you. OK. <laughs> well, there you go. Cultural norms across these countries. You'll have to come back next week or a couple of weeks time with sort of religious statistics for countries like how many Catholics live in, you know, yeah, yeah we don't cover religion on this, yeah. on this measure, Ireland's progress. No, no, we don't. <laughs> uh, but the, the, um, the births outside marriage, though, does it have, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think, I don't know, it doesn't actually matter, sure, it doesn't statistically, it doesn't matter in pure statistical terms whether the child is born no. in, with the marriage or not. Like, it has no effect on the economy or no effect on anything. Wouldn't that be right? Um, well, unless you, you start looking at the concept of single parents. I see, I knew I could throw that out and you'd gobble it up like a fisherman. Yeah. It's 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 to do with single parents, isn't it? Yeah, that? but babies born outside marriage it, it, and and single parents they're not necessarily go hand in hand. So clearly in France, there's there's a different thing going on there where people just aren't yeah. getting married. 
Did you ever hear of a fellow called Professor Hans Rosling? No. Apparently, he's the greatest presenter of statistics the world has ever seen, according to Brian. Better than me, George. He adds, except Deirdre. He adds that. Deirdre will be back next week um, making uh, more sense of the numbers. Michael says Lithuania is 79% Catholic, the highest in the EU. It and Latvia have the highest divorce rates. Well, Deirdre just told you that.